0: Hello and welcome to another IGN UK podcast. It's me, Simon Cardy, with Matt Perslow. Hello, Jesse Gomez. Hi there. Hello. Let's get some funky energy going today. I want I want us not to even be on the rails once, let alone go off the rails. <laughs> I want us to start off the rails. <laughs> okay. Um, how, how have your weeks been?
1: No, they they've been, been pretty, right. good? pretty good.
0: Pretty good. Oh well, isn't that lovely to hear? Um, what are you going to be watching this weekend? Oh, uh, well, tonight
2: I'm going to be watching Banches of Inner Sheeran. That's Ooh. really good. Mm-hmm. That's a very really I, good I, film. I
0: did enjoy that film quite a bit. I'm going to talk about some films I've been watching recently later. But first, there's a TV show that I'm sure a lot of people will be watching this weekend slash Monday in the UK. And that is HBO's The Last of Us, based on a little video game called The Last of Us. Um You guys have both watched episode one, is that right? I've I've not
1: entirely watched episode one, but I've seen bits and bobs.
0: Fair enough. I am fortunate enough to have watched the entire season. Um, I've reviewed it for IGN and gave it a 9 out of 10, which means it is amazing. Because I believe it is amazing. Um, Yeah, this show is, I think, everything I hoped it would be pretty much. Mm. Uh, It is Faithful. And it captures the tone of the game and the cap- captures the characters of the game but it also does what I want from an adaptation which is give me a bit extra and actually tell me almost like in a way, if you think of it almost like DLC, it's almost mm-hmm. like giving you an extra couple of DLC chapters in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, sure.
2: I mean, like you yeah. wouldn't just want it to be exactly the same, right? Because you could just go and watch a Let's Play on, on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. like, exactly. You, you
0: literally made a Let's Play of The Last of Us. That's <laughs> true, actually. Exactly. It would. There would be no benefit to anyone from that, would there? Except that more people will watch it. And I think, you know, that is obviously one of the aims of this show is to get a lot of people to watch it that wouldn't play a game. Go, but, going
1: um, going forward, I don't know if there's an answer to this, is, this, is the extra stories told within this show now mm-hmm. what is considered? Like, what actually happened in The Last of Us? Or is it like... What, being, is,
0: it like is it official canon? I think they're I just separate.
1: So. Okay, yeah. No,
0: I don't... They can't really be. They're because, two separate
2: things, aren't they? Like, the one's yeah. the TV show, the one's the video game.
0: Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Like yeah the game story will carry on like and that's like this first series encompasses the first game, mm. like if you know the story of that first game, you're gonna know pretty much what's coming, but it does deviate, so you know the a to b is not necessarily gonna be different, but what happens along the way you're gonna meet new people, you're gonna hear different sides to people's stories, and there is I will say like the bill chapter is is one of the best hours of television I've seen in a long time and what they do differently with that one is, I think, very, very good. It's, it's one of the only, you know, because it's a very the, the world of the Last of Us is a very dark world. Like it is, it doesn't offer you much happiness or light. And I suppose during the game, you get that because you get the little quips from Ellie a lot. You get the jokes, and just the actual playing the game at times can give you that like rush of fun, mm. if you know what I mean. Whereas if you're just watching that. For like 10 hours, or whatever it is, <laughs> it would be just a descent into just hell, essentially. So, you do need those like extra little like peaks of hap- like relative happiness, yeah, <laughs> bordering on you know slightly nice melancholy. Um, that the show does offer you. So, I like what they've done there in elements, but I think for like before we delve too deep, we're obviously not going to spoil it just in case you are someone who's watching the show and hasn't played the game. The performances like i think there's only one place to start and it's bella rams is ellie she's absolutely extraordinary i obviously have only seen the first episode
2: but mm. the fact that within about four minutes of her being on screen she's captured kind of everything of who ellie is in about the first three hours of the last mm. of us she's got that kind of almost feral child's nature, (laughs) like the way that she kind of leaps around, the way that she's like, she's very, um, obviously incredibly sweary, which is a a factor of the character, but she's got, considering she has never played the game, and I guess this is testament to just like the writing carrying on that character, Mm -hmm. I would have said that she'd sat and analysed Ashley Johnson's performance for hours (laughs) because
0: she captures that character completely Mm -hmm. true to who Ellie is she she's incredible throughout as well like the things she has to like do if you know that story she goes through the ringer of like every different emotion possible and yeah she she's amazing Pedro pascal also very good has natu- as as Joel in the first story less to do mm. like uh, i think range wise mm-hmm. like he's he's very stoic he's very like he's what you expect from joel he's just very you know ruthless but also warm when he needs to be um He's the but, one yeah. that's more
2: broken by the because he's had to go through so much right. Whereas Ellie is young and still hasn't mm. had like the life wrought out of her. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what about I mean, if um, look-
1: Nick as Bill? Because when I remember hearing yeah, that I'm, he got cast, like I wasn't sure because I only know him from Parks and Rec.
0: Really? Oh, I, I, I just thought like lookwise he was perfect. Mm. Like I thought he'd because like if you think about like his. You know, I'm not going to say what they do with his role, but yeah. it's complete. Like throw out what you know about him from the game. Basically, it's not. It's not going to be the same as that. Okay. Like And he, he's brilliant. And Murray Barlett, who played Armon, the first uh, the hotel manager in the White Lotus season one, mm. he he plays Frank in it. And like those two together are absolutely astonishing. Um, yeah. But like, maybe we will talk about, a bit about the first episode because we're not going again. Not going to spoil it, but like. That's kind of perfectly encapsulates what they're trying to do with the series, I think. Like they catch you off guard with a cold open that's just nothing to do with the game, and you're like, okay, we are, and you're almost instantly reminded, oh, this is Craig Mazin who mm-hmm. did Chernobyl, and that is just a good sign, isn't it? Because I mean, it is funny because people think like he's this incredible like TV creator, which he is, because he created Chernobyl. <laughs> but before that, he made like Scary Movie three and four. He's got a bizarre <laughs> I didn't filmography. That. Um what I will but, say yeah, is that that cold opening
2: kind of reminded me a bit of Watchmen. You know, there's mm, the, um Yeah. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that like the cold opening is an interview situation. No, from like the sixties, like basically warning people of mm-hmm. a p a pandemic yeah. could happen. Yeah. Like it's people theorizing what could happen, but it reminds me a lot of There's a TV talk show section in Watchmen where they're theorizing like what might happen with the Cold War, Mm. and it kind of reminds. It's like it sets up the fact that like the Watchmen story is constantly like overhung by the threat of the Cold War, right? And the loomingness of all of that happening, and kind of like I really like how he sets up the loomingness that whilst you then get a segment that's set 20 years before the events Mm -hmm. of The Last of Us, which is obviously you know the stuff with Sarah in. I like it that you've got this looming kind of dread over it that you know things are going to go bad. Yeah. And all of this kind of like, you know, it has an element of domestic, not bliss, but domestic life going as normal for the first kind of chunk of the show. Yeah. And I love that you've got this kind of like element that you know from the very start of it that you're like, how long is this going
0: to last? Yeah, and when like is a the a ticking bomb. Point? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's... It's brilliantly done. It almost reminds me of uh, the start of Fallout 4. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) in a a weird way. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that first episode is brilliant. It kind of just, yeah, it takes you through the start of the game. But like, and and you see things, you spend more time with people that you didn't get to in the game. Mm -hmm. And that does build the connection further. And then you do get the gun punch that I suppose most people know is coming. But. It still does hit you, even if you know exactly yeah. what's coming. Oh yeah, like, I was
2: I was tearing up a bit at that. <laughs> like it's a very, very, it's very powerful in in the game, uh, and mm-hmm. I'd say that scene is replicated pretty much one to one in in the show. Like the thing I like is the, you know, both mazin and Druckman understand what are the bits from the game that you do do one to one and what are the bits that mm. you expand or change or morph yeah and they know kind of like there are just certain scenes that were written perfectly and i think what this does is it's a massive testament to the last of us the game in how well written it was and how well it used like the visual language of prestige tv to communicate its storylines mm-hmm. because when it does do you know its odd bit of this is one-to-one. It doesn't feel out of place. It doesn't feel like you're watching the video game in higher-grade graphics. Mm. It looks and
0: feels like Prestige TV. Yeah, it looks and sounds incredible as well. Like, you don't... I I will say now, like, if you're expecting this to be like a Walking Dead or like a zombie apocalypse show, it doesn't really focus on that side of the world too much. Like, a lot of what's in the game... Like, if you think about it, that's why I wrote in my review, like, a lot of the times you're meeting infected and clickers in the game, it's to give you something to do. Mm-hmm. It's gameplay, it's combat. A, a TV show obviously does not need that. And so a lot of those sections are removed, so it is much more of a human story. Mm-hmm. I what think. I
2: will say, though, is I do think the opening emphasises the zombies mm. more than the game does. There's a that lot is, more yeah. Romero-style shots of mm-hmm. people gnawing
0: on people's necks. <laughs> it those bits are good. There's a, yeah, especially a good bit with, with an elderly person, which is mm-hmm. it's quite enjoyable. But yeah, I like what the way they've done clickers, I really like. There's been a lot of chat with people, people just finding something to moan about because it's The Last of Us, like yeah. getting annoyed that there's no spores in this program, which is because that's what everyone, when The Last of Us came out, everyone's like, I just love the spores. This would be nothing without the spores. The thing the, the <laughs> spores is
2: like, like, I, the moment they said that it wasn't passed through spores, and they're obviously, yeah. their understanding is, it has to be more realistic for the TV show mm. than the game mm. because in games we're used to a more heightened reality and in the TV show, to convey the emotion has to convey a smiley more. And obviously, if it was spread by spores, we'd all be fucking dead by now because spores <laughs> yeah. are sent by wind, right? Yeah. They don't just stay where they're produced. Exactly. And so, so in the, the game, it's a mechanic, isn't it? It's a way to kind of put exactly. you
1: into a so, stealth element. So does the world feel a bit more like fully realised then in terms of the show
0: um, I mean, you meet, hmm, maybe you meet one or two more people, so it feels like there's one or two more pockets of civilization. It's not just you versus and I the world. Yeah. Say so certainly, you know, obviously I've
2: only seen the first episode, Cardi, and you've seen yeah. all of it, but there are certain minor changes they make that I think make um, the characters feel more like real people rather than video game characters. So, for instance, in the game, we know that Joel's kind of thing that he's doing at the start of the game is he's running guns right like him and Tess run guns mm. and I won't say what the motivations are for Joel this time round, in case you know like that hasn't already mm. been put out there but I think what he's trying to do is more realistic for a normal human being than running guns
0: yeah it, yeah it's more of a personal motivation okay. which yeah. I think it, it it works well for the show but yeah, when the affected do turn up, it it's worth it because they are. If you don't know it yet, there's no spoils. I've seen people going like, "What are they going to do with part two story?" Like, spoils are an essential part. It's like they work around. It's not an essential part of any part of the story. <laughs> um, they 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 go for a more tendril method in the show, and when you do see that, it's disgusting. So uh, everyone <laughs> will enjoy that, I'm sure. Um, Lovely. But yeah, just. I don't know what more there is to say about, it. like, if you like The Last of Us, you're going to love this. Like, I doubt there'll be many people that think The Last of Us is a great game who will watch this show and go, they haven't done it. Like, it, it doesn't a- aside work. Aside from bad faith people, which
2: always mm-hmm. exist. But no, like, I, I do obviously only, I mean, the the, open, the first episode is 80 minutes long, so it's a it's a mm-hmm. long one. But certainly from that, it is you can tell it's written by a the people that wrote the original one and b Mm -hmm. by people that care about that world and want to foster it into a new format that is suited for tv rather than just Mm. a game um yeah i think like but and particularly kind of like the set work that they've got like i think boston
0: looks incredible Mm -hmm. yeah it looks great it sounds great you've got Bits of the music from the game, which worked perfectly as well. Like they really
2: capture that, like environmental storytelling that the game has. Like Mm. all of the, and they do like the slow panning shots of like signs that are on the wall that give you that kind of like. It's not just a pandemic that started. These are people that have been living with like Mm. the worst version of a pandemic for twenty years.
1: I think that's what I was a bit worried about, like the production value or design. To hear that it's you know. Looking believable, because you look at like the late seasons of The Walking Dead and how things slowly go a bit downhill, but obviously The Last of Us has of started with a bang, I guess, and it looks like it's something you can believe in.
2: I mean, I'd read it somewhere that it's got a higher budget than the first five seasons of Game of Thrones had. So like, they gave it a lot of money. And I don't mean (laughs) all five seasons combined, I mean like each.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 I get
2: you. So like, it is almost certainly operating on a higher budget than The Walking Dead
0: was. Mm. It's uh, reasons to be excited, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully we don't have to wait ages for season two. met some like people haven't seen season one yet. I just (laughs) haven't watched season two already. But uh, yeah, very, very good. You can read my uh, spoiler-filled reviews after each episode airs. So there you go. If you want to read my season review, that is spoiler-free. So enjoy. (laughs) Um, Jesse, from one horrible world to another. (laughs) Your bedroom. No, not
1: your bedroom. Um, <laughs> wow.
0: Sons of the Forest. It's a game that you and One Dale Driver got to go and play a bit of at the end of last year, I believe.
1: Oh yeah. It was uh I feel like the forest is probably one of my favorite games, uh just as a whole. Up. Yeah. Probably just nice. because in terms of like a co-op experience, it's friggin' super rewarding, just really fun. But in case you anyone who doesn't know what the forest is is a survival game with a horror twist. You and seven of your mates, if you wish, uh, are left stranded. Up to seven? Up I to it It's just two people. No, no, you can play with us. eight people in total. Yeah, and That's, that's too many people. It's a good amount of people, but you're left stranded <laughs> on a peninsula of sorts. And it's populated with cannibals and mutants. And the objective is that you're trying to find your son. But a lot of the times it boils down to building a gazebo with your pals and maybe a water slide by a beach. It's good fun. Um, but yeah, it's got the sort of typical survival mechanics. You'll be chopping down trees, crafting supplies and weapons, building structures, exploring caves, all sorts. Um, and the forest has been out for a while, I think since 2014, it was like a steam green light game back in the day, but it's shown its age now. And I'll just reiterate what Dale said, but in case you've missed his fantastic preview, um, the game, I think, has the potential to sort of move the survival genre genre forward in significant ways because we've been seeing a lot of these sort of just open world survival games pop up and then just sort of disappear over time with not much fanfare. But um, in terms of Sons of the Forest, the premise is largely the same in this one. Instead of searching for your son... You're looking for a missing billionaire, and of course, you again crash on an island as well. Now,
2: why would I want to search for the billionaire? Like, like oh,
1: that—that's the thing. Like, the story can sort of take a backseat when you're playing in the forest, because really, you're there just to have fun and survive. I'm, I'm
2: quite content for him to stay lost on the
1: island <laughs> yeah. for the mutants and cannibals. <laughs> I mean, that's that's fair. Yeah, there seems to be less of a justification. Don't you want to
0: literally eat the rich? And, you could eat him. I mean, yeah,
1: you can pretty much. But
0: can can you eat people?
1: Oh yeah, forest? absolutely. Like. Me and Dale Dale quickly learned on our first playthrough that instead of, like, hunting for animals and trying to get food the decent way, we just became the baddies and just wiped out colonies of cannibals. It is wicked. (laughs) It might sound grim, but it's genuinely good fun. Uh, So Dale and I played, like, I think five or six hours of uh, the sequel, Sons of the Forest, and our playthrough began with us waking up on a beach and to our surprise there was a an npc in front of us now the first game we didn't have any friendly NPCs, so this came to a shock to us when the developers the, the developers introduced us to a guy called kelvin uh now oh. kelvin is a companion npc and he'll be joining the players to you know help collect resources whether they're rocks or sticks or fish he'll help build structures and stuff or you can just ask him to follow follow you around now the, so he's the, like
2: a worker unit from an RTS.
1: Yeah, pretty much. He's like a little worker bee. But I guess the the whole um, funky thing about Kelvin is that you, you can't actually speak to him. Uh, due to the crash, he took a pretty nasty bump to his head, which results in the only method of communication being like a little notepad they use to issue commands with. So you'll take it out and be like... Is
0: he a bit like Daniel Radcliffe in Swiss Army, man? <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe to- can speak in Swiss Army, man. <laughs> Uh, but not re- uh, can't. Well, yeah. We'll go deep into <laughs> if it's in his head or not. But
1: um, <laughs> Kelvin like- is very much real. It's just unfortunately, he can't really emote too much. But he's incredibly useful. So Dale and I, we wanted to put together sort of like a beach house straight away, as you do during you know survival scenarios. So we got Kelvin to you know pick up some rocks and logs, and then you know you'll jot down on the notepad. You'll show it to his face, and he just jogs away and starts working for you. Um, which is pretty good, but
0: could you beat Kelvin? Is that an option?
1: You can kill Kelvin straight away. So Kel, you get one Kelvin per like multiplayer session because you wouldn't have like ten of him running around with all of your mates because then it'll be complete yeah. chaos. But you can get rid of him straight away if you want to, or you can you know keep him around and get some help. But then that 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 AI sort of base, like having Kelvin there to help you, even if it was just Dale or myself playing solo, it just seems like a a massive game changer because you can get rid of all of those like small time jobs that you usually have to do when you're playing a survival game like if you jump into Minecraft or something you're always gonna have to search for like you know chopping down a few trees to get some wood or looking for the these bits and that but then it sort of takes away from the actual fun parts of these games which is building up your base and having Kelvin there sort of just assists with that especially for people who want to play solo they still get that little multiplayer experience as well, which is pretty cool. It um, sounds
2: like, sort of like a te- an answer to the tedium of yeah. those kind of mechanics. Yeah,
1: pretty much. And the, the developers pretty much uh, described him as that, to, to be fair. Um, but then as we're getting into the building as well, that's when we discovered that's entirely changed as well. It's a, I'd say it's a lot more immersive and realistic, but it's still fun because in the first game, you would open up your survival book, you would select a prefab, uh, like like a log cabin, for example, you'll plonk it down and you pretty much just threw resources at it until it built itself. But now you can really get stuck into it and get creative with it. If you want a floor for your room, uh, then you grab some logs, split them in half of your axe and you snap them into place. Once your walls are done, you might want a door and entryway. So you'll walk to the middle of the wall, chop and push some logs away. And now you've got yourself a way to enter your cabin. Like everything is sort of contextual within the world. You're not just placing one thing down it sort of just builds itself together and it's the same for you know whether you're crafting or building or eating there's animations for everything but they don't feel tedious
0: but then okay alan titchmarsh i've had enough of ground (laughs) force tell me about the zombies
1: i mean they've, (coughs) they've also seen a big change like dale sort of put it that in a lot of these survival games you have the sort of basic premise of these ai are either sort of just wandering around in groups or they're just attacking you simply and that's about it but in Sons of the Forest now the AI sort of have I'm trying to remember how the the developers put it but they sort of have their own (laughs) thoughts and feelings I guess there might be some cannibals who might be you know staying from afar and just watching you from afar trying to gather info about what you and your friends might be doing there might be some that have more leadership roles and might try and charge in and then when you attack them back if you win you might have them retreating or you might have some cannibals like crying over their fallen allies or if the weather's changing it's now colder and because it's winter you might have them you know wearing warmer clothing or you might see different tribes interacting with each other and stuff which you didn't quite get in the first forest game but it's it's weird sons of the forest is sort of like they've they've built up that beyond like, beyond having kelvin to help you or the new and improved building mechanics. Like, End night games have, just from the preview alone and from what we play, they've done a crazy job sort of evolving and building upon everything the first game did. And even on just on a sort of, like, pure visual level, like, the game looks stunning. It's a, a proper A looking experience from a team of, like, maybe 15 developers and stuff. You know, the game, like I said, now has changing seasons as well, so you'll work through spring all the way through winter. And, yeah, the AI is a lot more...
0: How do you actually progress the story? Do you just... Are there missions or do you just get further
1: into the forest? Pretty much. Like, sort of, the way it works in the first game is that, you know, you wake up, you know that your son's missing, in your survival log it'll say, search for your missing son. So you might build a camp, you start exploring caves, finding notes through the caves, like, sort of, key cards to enter hidden locations and stuff. So you're sort of progressing the story yourself. There's not really any... Cut scenes, Your character's not saying, "Oh, I really need to find my son and stuff." It's you're sort of progressing through it at your own pace. You can entirely leave the objective alone if you want to, just to have some fun. There's nothing like forcing you. There's no timed sensitive events for sons mm-hmm. for the forest, and I feel like it's going to be the same for sons as well.
0: You said this up to eight players. Do you think this is going to be the game that brings us together to play games at lunch finally? <laughs> I, since the days of siege, you know, watch have long since passed. I
1: feel, I feel like, I feel like it can because I know Dale and I have had a lot of fun playing this mm-hmm. game. And
0: I also know what Dale and you are like. If we we said we want to play it together, then you two would just play it for three hours a night and leave us mm-hmm. behind.
1: Absolutely wouldn't do that. I mean, that's thing. Like, if anyone's up yeah, for
0: it, absolutely <laughs> it would. <laughs> it wouldn't be.
1: If we had a set time, we would stick to it. Well, that's that's the thing. Like, it it can be a chill building experience if you want it to be, because you can set it so that, you know, you don't have to deal with enemies all the time if you want to, or you can make it a sort of harder survival experience. But the thing with the forest that you're not dealing with, like, like a lot of other, you know, more popular survival games. It's not like you have to, you know, drink every five minutes, eat every five minutes. If you sprint, your character's completely gassed. Like the survival mechanics are there, but they're not really hindering you as you play which is good yeah
0: survival's not necessarily my my favorite genre for what you've just listed there having being reminded you need to eat every five minutes i'm like this yeah but uh, just let me go and play the game the forest
1: (laughs) and sons of the forest is isn't really like that at all like those survival mechanics are there but they're not they're not the they're not the thing that's going to be holding you back from the fun
2: in terms of your progression so i used to play survival games around the time of like the original boom like i played like rust in its original (laughs) version when it had got zombies in it and and like radiation zones and stuff like that Um, and i played a reasonable amount of day z what is the kind of player progression system like like do you start with kind of like a rock and gradually build your way up to like somehow finding a blueprint to build a pistol and then eventually you get like a machine gun or
1: so with sons of the forest there's sort of like a few like Style locations that you might style, so you have a chance to have a helicopter crash by a beach or within the forest itself and another location as well. But in terms of progression, you'll wake up and you'll have sort of like your basic survival kit, which I believe is an axe. But then scattered all around you, you have you know your rocks, your trees, and all sorts, and you can start putting stuff together to build a basic little survival camp and stuff. But in terms of progression, you'll probably be delving into the cave systems or maybe finding you unique locations dotted around the map and oh now i found a pistol now i found this underground bunker that has this items and it all sort of builds up into eventually going towards the end but if you're not really exploring the environment then you're not really progressing there's not like an an xp system where like oh now i can build faster and stuff there's nothing really like that but yeah interesting it's there we
0: go it's in like a month, isn't it? It's been a long time coming.
1: Yes, it's uh, it certainly, it certainly has. But I mean, if if any of this has piqued your interest or interest at all, I'd honestly just suggest watching or reading uh, Dale's preview, uh, because there's tons, mm-hmm. tons of uh, good footage in that. And, and is that,
2: it if that? Go on. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, is it coming out out, or is it going to be like an early access game, like what the original one was?
1: I don't think it's coming out in early access. I wouldn't say for sure. I'm almost certain it's just a full release, and mm-hmm. then you know you'll have your future updates as time goes along.
2: And is and it is, is it PC first, or are they going like full console? I think release?
1: it's just PC as of now, as right. far as I'm aware.
0: Interesting. And if that has piqued your interest, you've got a month to play the first one if you if you never got around to that. So there you go. Sons of the Forest. From the Sons of the Forest to the Midnight Suns. <laughs> Is <laughs> uh, that why you
1: put it in that order, just for that?
0: N- no, I put it in an order of uh, importance. Oh, okay. Um, Matt, we spoke about this game what just before Christmas mm-hmm. when we, we'd both played a few hours of it. Uh, you played about 10 or 15, I think, at that point, and you were enjoying this game. You finished it a couple of days ago, and I think I you did. can safely now say... It is very, very enjoyable. It was my... I eventually ranked it as my second favorite game of
2: last year.
1: Wow. When wow. I put
2: it above Ragnarok. That is... Damn. I I didn't know you'd done that. That sounds <laughs> mad. Tell us why. Um, because it's, like, absolutely fucking incredible. And I think the thing when I finished it that I realized that why I ended up putting it above Ragnarok is it does what God of War did when it came out in 2018. Like, I've not played anything like... Um, Uh, Midnight Suns Mm -hmm. it it feels like such a fresh take on whilst like God of War 2018 I'd played games that had similar elements to it I'd Mm -hmm. played third person you know I played a FromSoft game I played Zelda I played all of the games that God of War draws on I've obviously played loads of XCOM I've played uh, Fire Emblem I've played kind of Persona so I've played games that have this element but I've never played a game that is like Midnight Suns um and part of that is just i think it's got like that combat system that we you know we we praised up the last time we were speaking about it mm. only gets more interesting as it goes on as each story mission kind of finds new ways to get you to think about how you're playing and also the characters that you recruit i can actually talk about the characters that we recruit because they are literally on the box art so i'm not spoiling <laughs> that any of them are in but for example like Wolverine The way that they build Wolverine out as this character, that quite a lot of his cards are like chain pounce attacks. So you can kind of like attack three or four people in a row. And it, it makes him feel like that animalistic kind of just like absolutely going to town on multiple people. Exactly like you've seen him in the comics. Yeah um uh kind of like uh later on you uh like i don't think i got captain america at the time we were talking and captain mm-hmm. america has that like a lot of his stuff is to do with increasing block because obviously he's a shield wielder <laughs> but yep. then expending that block as attacks which is obviously the shield bashes and the you can throw the shield and, and knock it off kind of like six people and, and bring it back to you and all of that that is brilliant but i think the one thing that we'd we kind of weren't sure on when we were talking back in december was this idea of like our review you know the 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 wise words of dan stapleton at the end of that review was he felt that Foraxis had managed to stand up alongside bioware and larian as like one yeah. of the great rpg makers of all time and we were just like is, is this is this a bit a bit far for our tastes <laughs> Um, Now I finished it, I absolutely understand what he means, but it's not what you would think he'd mean
1: from that sentence. Because I remember you describing it sort of like a Sunday cartoon-ish vibe near the start of the game. Yeah,
2: and it still does have that, but what I will say is it's not an RPG in the same, particularly not like Larian, it's not kind of like got these incredible choices and this wonderful reactivity. Mm. It's not got any of that. But It's the first time in, basically since about Mass Effect 3, maybe Dragon Age Inquisition, that a story about an ensemble of characters has felt like that. Like when you're getting into kind of like the second act particularly, it all kicks off and it is just constantly like mission after mission after mission. And the storyline that is expanded on between that when you're at the Abbey feels like a Bioware game. (laughs) It is full-on exciting characters working together, characters betraying each other groups kind of forming within the ranks and stuff like that it is genuinely a brilliant piece of marvel storytelling it is better than anything that marvel has told in cinema since kind of the end game era mm-hmm. um it's it's nice. absolutely wonderful it's, it's it's characterization of all those characters is exceptional mm. and even though the social side of it when you're doing the hangouts never gets any better it always feels quite shallow and it doesn't ever feel like you're progressing people's problems or digging into individual storylines. The overall event storyline yeah. is fantastic.
0: Nice. You've made me want to carry on playing it because I just got sidetracked. I got like eight hours, 10 hours in, and then yeah, fell off. Not because I wasn't enjoying it anymore, just mm-hmm. other, just wanted to do other things. Yeah. The, se- the second act, when it also.
2: so it's a three act game um and kind of like the first act is is very long in comparison to act two and three like acts two and three are equal sizes but they're about half the length of act one okay but when it starts getting off it has like the biggest marvel moments like and it also understands like how to use camp really well okay. like there are moments where like you'll have it go into slow motion as Robbie Rays, who is uh, the, the new Ghost Rider in this, who is like the, the more modern Ghost Rider rather than uh, Johnny Blaze, like his car will like ramp up off a cliff and it will go into slow motion and it will like spin the camera around him while these spinning flaming chains <laughs> stood on the bonnet. And it's kind of like, okay, it knows how to have like real good, exciting fun with these characters mm. in a way that kind of like, it's almost like the MCU despite being quite daft, almost feels like it's above doing that with its characters. But it's like, it's cool when you get to do a bit of like superhero camp.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, I do want to get around to it. I just need to find the time. Do you know how many hours it took you roughly? In the um,
2: end? So I actually came in. So Stapleton did it in 65 hours. I did it in 55. Um, and what I would recommend is kind of like I did you can't you it, it kind of spaces the main missions out so you do a main mission and then you do a side mission then you do a main mission then you do a side mission like i've know of some people that have started to feel like they were burning out on it because they were trying to do all of the side missions mm. but yeah. the side missions are like side missions in xcom where it's just it's just a, a template mission to right, get you okay. extra rewards it's not like they've got story attached to them. do you
0: feel like you could have mainlined it quite like did you need so, those side mission upgrades to make well it so that's ride? the
2: thing i for as far as the game will let you mainlined it i just did main mission yeah. side mission main mission side mission because you can't do yeah main mission main mission main mission because yeah. generally particularly in the big moments to do a main mission it requires the characters to research like who mm. they're going up against next and so that day is your down day where you would do a side mission. But because those side missions don't really have any kind of like narrative to them, I never felt like, oh, I've got seven side missions and I need to do them all before I move on. Um, so I would say just just do that cadence of main side, main side. Um, did, did and get you, yourself did you through stick, the game.
1: Did you stick with just one difficulty throughout your entire playthrough?
2: I did, yes. Oh, yeah, okay, like cool. you can you can notch it up, which will get you higher rewards, but mm. ultimately like... I thought that the main difficulty, like, the standard difficulty was was perfectly fine. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Like, certainly some of the later boss, Like, I wouldn't say I ever struggled with it, which maybe is a point that, like, maybe I should have notched it up, one. But it felt at the right level of fun for what I wanted. In the well, same if you way...
0: Enjo- if you're enjoying the story, you want to progress it, don't you? It's
2: well. in the same mm-hmm. reason why, kind of, like, not that slightly different thing but like for example i'm playing the witcher 3 at the moment and i'm playing it on easy because i actually think the witcher 3 particularly in its opening kind of like 15 hours the combat can be a bit garbage until kind of you've built Geralt up and but i'm not going to change it back up to medium because i'm playing it for the story rather than the combat challenge yeah in Midnight Suns, it's not the same because I am playing it for combat challenge. Yeah, but it felt like it was exercising my brain at the right level at normal mm-hmm. difficulty. I didn't feel like I needed to lose more battles than I yeah. was. So
0: I do want to get back to it, but there's just so many games coming out soon, and I've got that looming spectre of Persona three and four coming to the Switch next week. Which, you know, they're very um, they're they're of a piece those mm. sort of games sure. so uh, they're also yeah. like 99 hours long yeah. exactly so i won't be out i i will not finish both personas and midnight suns in the next month let's put it
2: that way <laughs> i was uh, like like you know anybody that's on the fence like i can't i can't recommend midnight suns enough and also it has like you know it follows the mcu tradition of having a great post
0: credits will they ever get to make that second game though i still? hope i
2: really hope so like, yeah. and it's one of those where kind of like I think I mentioned before the idea of like some of those social situations feel like they fit better in an X Men game. Mm. Um, I would be happy if it was kind of like Thoraxis's Marvel series rather than the Midnight Sun series. Um, yeah. I'd like them to kind of like find other teams that they could do so I can play with different sorts of heroes. Exactly.
0: Get the X Men and Fantastic Four in there. You've got a good game. I we, think so. you've already got a good game. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been watching some good films. Um, I've been doing my little, you know. There's some films coming out soon. It's we're getting in, we're in award season. I've mm-hmm. been catching up on all the the things I I like to do this most years. The things I should have seen, you know. The things they're getting the the rave reviews, the nominations. Uh, I'm going to talk about three this week quickly. The first one, Babylon, the new film from Damien Chazelle of Whiplash, La La Land, and First Man, Fame. This film has absolutely split people. Like I've seen everything. There's one star reviews out there. There's five star reviews out there. It's three hours and eight minutes. Fucking hell! <laughs> uh, it is. Does it justify that? That's that's a very good, very good question. It is overlong. It is absolutely excessive. It's extravagant. It's a bit messy in places. I think I absolutely loved it. <laughs> like it's a deeply flawed film. Like it, I uh, don't envy anyone who had to actually write a review of this film because I don't know where it starts. I'd probably criticize it for a lot of parts and then go 9 out of 10. Like I I I, I absolutely loved it. Like the easiest way t- in a nutshell it is like a 1920s Hollywood version of Boogie Nights, which and that does tick a lot of boxes for me. It's kind of like singing in the rain with The energy of Wolf of Wall Street, like I mean, that, 100- God, that, that sounds pretty
1: perfect to me, to be honest.
0: <laughs> it is. I, if it clicks with you, it'll click with you. I will say, after three hours, uh, as soon as this film finishes, I felt I can't remember a film where I'd felt so beat up and just like <laughs> I feel like I've been physically assaulted in every sense. Is that just for like because three of the length? hours? No, like it's the, it's the relentless, relentless speed, people, you know, that people. When they watch Uncut Gems, they're like, I just feel mm-hmm. like I've been showered out oh, for two okay. hours. Yeah, yeah. Imagine yeah. another hour of that with some of the most excessive the best way I can explain this, like, within the first two minutes of the film, you've already seen an elephant just shit diarrhoea all over (laughs) someone and see a woman piss on a man's face within two minutes of the film starring. And it doesn't really relent from there. it's
1: time to watch this this in the cinema.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is not what I expect from the nice man
2: that made the nice dancing... Well,
0: this is what the...
1: uh, If we (laughs) want to go deep
2: into the
0: nice film, which I don't really have time to... A lot of people theorise that he regrets La La Land and he hates that film now. And this is his r- retort to it. I don't agree with that. Surely I think he not. likes that film. I
1: love La La Land.
0: Like, How can you... I, oh, it's one of my absolute favourite films. Is this the Dark
1: and... Souls of La La Land? Is that what no, you're saying?
0: No. <laughs> it's it's an, like The way you can read this film is it's it's a complete love letter to film, which I think it is. But I think on the, on the, on the flip side, it's almost him going, we've ruined it. Sure. <laughs> like, like <Or> it's almost <laughs> like how the menu
2: is a bit like they fucking ruined like yeah. gourmet restaurant yeah, yeah. experiences.
0: Like I, like in a cinema, it, it does blow you away. It's got all like it's got a very similar to score to La La Land. The la, the music is incredible. Like all the music, like the jazz they use is amazing. Like, does it have musical Margot numbers, numbers Rob- in it? Like yeah, is it a musical? There's like one or two little bits. It's not a musical. Okay, no. it's got like musical bits, um, but. Like, it follows four people, like, in the 20s Hollywood on the cusp of um, talking films becoming a thing. So it okay. kind of has that singing rain thing of, like, yeah, charting that story oh. of people people's lives changing. I love that. But in just dark and dark ways, you know, it's got one scene that is pretty much just a homage to a scene from Boogie Nights. Like, it's just a descent into hell, really, and I loved it. <laughs> like, Margot Robbie is just throwing like a hundred mile an hour fastballs use a baseball uh, <laughs> analogy of people. I don't even know if that's right. Um, just All the time like she is unbelievable. She's given that like somewhere between her Wolf of, it's like Wolf of Wall Street crossed with Harley Quinn performance. Like she's going for it Brad Pitt's very good. Like it's just I really loved it but I can also stand why, understand why you'd walk out of this film and go what absolute abhorrent mess <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's the uh, for me those are the best films. So, someone's favourite film is someone's least favourite film. Honestly, it sounds like a pretty, pretty freestyle Sounds like
1: a pretty good experience to me, and I don't mind long films either. So
0: Yeah. That's out, I believe, next Friday in the UK in cinemas. Uh, it's been out in America for a couple of weeks. I'm definitely uh, watching I'm that. Interviewing Damien Chazelle in like three hours. I'm very excited about oh. it. Fun. Very excited about it. Um and I I'm glad I can tell him I love the film, so I was really when I walked into that screen, I was like, there's a good chance I might hate this. And I don't want to walk into that interview and have to lie that I liked it. But I don't have to lie. <laughs> you
2: don't <laughs> have really to say
0: it. that you liked
2: it. You just, but you I just like, congratulate it's a good, you Can't?
0: Yeah, I know. But it's uh, they can tell when it's genuine. <laughs> mm. And I can genuinely say I love this film. Um, yeah, check it out if you want three hours of absolute excess. Um, yes, please. Another one, much more reserved. Tar. Has anyone seen Tar? No. No. It's out today in cinema.
1: I did
2: hear it being uh, like compared to this is kind of like Whiplash for composing. It's got oh. a bit of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a little
0: bit of that. Um, much quieter film. It's like a. It's not not as long either. It's like two and a quarter hours, I think. Yeah, it's like a psychological drama slash that sh- uh, slash thriller. Mm. Follows Kate Blanchett's Lydia Tarr, who is a composer. Who, and it's also kind of almost a semi descent into hell, but a subtler one. Um, it, she's like, yeah, one of the world's most famous uh, composers in Berlin. And yeah, it follows kind of things start to change in her life. I'm not going to say anything from there. Uh, but yeah, it's she's absolutely phenomenal in it. She always is, to be fair. Like, I uh, don't know what.
1: Has it got like Go similar on. vibes to like Black Swan? Because that's what I'm sort of picturing in my head.
0: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, there's little bits of that mm. in there. It's just it's very, very classy. I, I again, I really liked it. Like, I think it's a brilliant film. I just it doesn't have when you say like Whiplash and like Black Swan that kind of has a bit more kind of panache in its editing. This is a bit less stylish. This is much more like it's quite a cold film, but that's what it's going for. And I, I liked it. Like, there are like scenes where she's conducting an Orchestra, and they're not, you know, it's not the Damien Chazelle cutting to every instrument like bang, bang, bang. Yeah, bang. Yeah, it's yeah. much more like here's a wide and here's a close up of her, and it's all about her, really, than the music. Um, yeah, I check out Tar if you're into a, a, a kind of a slower psychological uh, drama slash thriller. I recommend I all know.
1: the bangers though, all these films sound really well, good right now.
0: <laughs> and then we come to After Sun, which apparently the saddest film ever made. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't know, yeah. So this, I, I do, re- again, really like it. I don't think it's hit home for mm-hmm. me because it's a very, it's obviously a deeply personal film. It follows um, Paul Mescal, who is a young dad and his 11-year-old daughter on holiday. And it's basically just like a little holiday film, but you also cut back to every now and then the grown-up daughter kind of watching back this home video they took on holiday. And it's obviously, a, he's not, a re- not in the picture anymore and it's kind of like a looking back at that holiday and it's all about, you know, seeing something from a point of view and then not really knowing someone, Mm. if you know what I mean so you've got the perspective of you know, you spent a week with the person, it it seemed like it was okay but then you don't really know what was really you know, going on. It is sad it is kind of, the thing is like this, like I said, it's a deeply obviously a deeply personal film, it's directed by Charlotte Wells, it's first ever film which is astonishing, uh and it's obviously semi-autobiographical. It just—I don't—I don't have that relatable point, if you know what I mean. I'm not a young father, or I'm not, i not the son of like a. I'm very lucky that I've uh, you know had a happy upbringing of uh, a couple that are together, and you know. Mm. So I don't have that touch point necessarily, but it's a film. I'm more, when I was watching it, I was deeply. Respecting it than going, I'm loving this, if you know what I mean. Okay. Like, it's a film that will absolutely destroy some people. I g- guarantee that. So, if any of that, you know, sounds enjoyable to you, I think that's in cinemas at the moment. It's definitely on um Movie. If you're yeah, all. to Movie. It's only like an hour and twenty minutes, hour and a half. Sounds so, like yes. a
1: very different vibe to the. <laughs> the
0: yeah, that's you're films. not gonna. Yeah, that, almost the complete opposite of Babylon. Okay, uh, so <laughs> there you go. It's not a double bill. I'd recommend. All right, anytime soon. But yeah, those are some very good films. That yeah, if you're into film, you've probably very much heard of. But if you haven't, check them out. Mm. Uh, do you know what I'd like to check out though? Go on. A little thing we like to call the endless search.
1: It's a UK AJ and crew. Yeah, yeah, and the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got question for you. Hold at the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got question for you. Is it in the search?
0: Matt, I have no idea what you've brought to the table, today. Oh yeah,
1: uh, You'll do.
2: I, uh I hadn't got a clue what I was going to bring to the table either, so I went and dived into the inbox to try and find something. This might have been one that we've played before. I don't know. Ooh. Uh But it's called Meta Split It, which is from uh, sent in by Silent Node in Canada. Whoa, that's a cool name. I mean, he sounds like he's uh, he's a hacker. Yeah, my <laughs> um, kind of guy. <laughs> And this is a game about looking for the difference between the critic and the user review score. Oh, God, my favourite thing. Uh, (laughs) So basically, we'll be looking for a combination of both highest and lowest splits. So for some of them, you'll want to find the one where the user review is so far away from the critic review. And sometimes you'll be looking for the closest. Okay. Um, And because we've been chatting about The Last of Us today oh yeah i'd like to start
0: users typically love this series (laughs) of games um for the most part but uh, i'd like to start with
2: i'd like you to find the highest split so the biggest gulf between the opinions of the users and the critics for a video game adaptation be that a tv show or a film
0: oh no a biggest split what's one that did something I
2: do apologise to everybody that this this will be one of those games where you'll have to hear my keyboard clacking. Oh, I can't believe no. it. Many, um, many sorries. Um uh, and I'm gonna start like Cardi, you, you reviewed the the, the I, show, so let's let's yeah. go first from you.
0: Oh right, let me have a quick think. What was something that uh people might uh oh, oh, oh. Like if you want a big gap, you normally have to go critics high because then users mm. will, will will go the opposite. Unfortunately,
2: way. in the days of the review bombing, that tends to be what we yeah. do, isn't it?
0: Um, but I'm try- I'm struggling to think of a video game adaptation that reviewed really well. <laughs> so, um, I'm I'm gonna go. i have no idea how this really did. I'm just gonna go with Detective Pikachu. Detective Pikachu.
2: I need to it's automatically it's going for the game.
1: Are you are you going for the highest like critic score and then the lowest user score? I so don't so know. you're, I you're no currently
2: idea. looking for the <laughs> highest split. Okay, the highest. So, yeah. so the, the, the biggest distance between critics. So it could be that critics went really low, okay, users okay. went really high, or okay. the other way around.
0: I'm, I'm hoping for that, maybe critics thought it was okay, gave it like a 70, and the users went okay. it was a 50. Right. <laughs> Jesse, what are you looking for?
1: I'm going to go with Hitman which one 2007 hitman 2007. the first one with um
2: is it timothy oliphant in it yes that's it do you think that
0: reviewed well or reviewed badly i
1: feel like it got shit reviews but then the fans loved it
0: they reclaimed it. <laughs> <laughs> they were... i need to i definitely watched that film and i couldn't tell you a single thing about i can't it.
1: remember anything about it okay
2: What well, i will say jesse is that <laughs> compared so there was hitman 2007 and there was hitman agent 47 oh, in 2015 the one that people loved uh, 47 got a lower critic review no. than the one you've chosen okay um okay let me just do He's the, gonna crunch the, the numbers. mathematics um
1: wasn't there, an, yeah, there was, was wasn't there a need for speed film
0: there was, there was yes oh that quickly got forgotten <laughs>
1: Who's looking forward Poland. to Gran Turismo? <laughs> okay, Cardi isn't. Uh, um,
0: uh, yeah, I can't say I uh. am.
1: Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh,
0: it's reasonably close.
1: Okay. Ooh. So,
2: Cardi, you chose Detective Pikachu, which has a meta score of 53.
0: Ooh, that's lower than yeah. I thought. people thought it was all right.
2: And has a user score of 7.5.
0: Okay, I go completely the wrong way <laughs> which, around. Yeah. Which, for,
2: for our purposes, is obviously a 75, which means 22. Jesse, okay. you've 22 to beat. Hitman from 2007, <laughs> starring Timothy Oliphant, directed by Xavier gens Such a mad casting choice. Meta score of 35. <sighs> a user score of 6.4. Which means Whoa, Jesse, twenty nine. Nice. He found Dang. the highest split. But
1: I was either going to go for that or Prince of Persia, but I don't. I feel like Prince of Persia might well, people might have really hated that all around. You've
2: got to keep those adaptations in exactly. mind because now we're going to do the same. But oh, I want right. you to find the closest split, oh, the lowest split,
0: where people were aligned
2: mm-hmm. on it. So yeah, Jesse, yeah. as the winner of the last round, I will let you go first. Um, Which one do you think the critics and the fans were actually aligned on oh no. for a video game adaptation?
1: Sonic the Hedgehog? Ooh, the first one. Yes, because the second one was more of the same and people disliked that, right?
2: Uh, I don't know. I do remember that Sonic the Hedgehog was uh, has always reasonably been well-liked. Yeah. Um.
0: Anyway... Cardi. I'm going to go for something that people just thought thought was good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Can I go with Castlevania Netflix? Uh,
1: of course you can. Oh, yeah, that'll be banging. That's uh, that's going to win.
2: Castlevania TV show from 2017.
1: Oh, that's a really good show.
2: So, let me just do... I do apologize for everybody at home that I have to do the maths.
1: That's all good.
0: I was going to go Arcane, but I didn't know if there were... So I don't know if mm. there are... I don't know the League of Legends fan base enough to know I feel like they I loved it, it I, think they, I think they adored it yeah, yeah. okay I
1: um, oh, wasn't thinking of TV shows what full. fool I don't know how the Dragon's right. Dogma series did I don't uh, think no, was I think it, that okay. wasn't
2: well liked Yeah. 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 anyway yeah. the scores are in we're looking for the lowest split Jesse yes, please. as the winner of the last round. Oh, fucked this. You chose Sonic the Hedgehog, which has a meta score of 47, mm. but Ooh, a user score
0: of harsh.
2: 8.1. <laughs> <laughs> the Sonic fans really came round. out for that one.
0: Ah, oh, fuck.
2: Cardi Castlevania on Netflix. Yes. A meta score of 71. Genuinely that quite well quite liked. liked. Mm. User right. score of 8.0. That means okay. Jesse so, 34 for your split, and Cardi uh, 9. I thought that people means...
1: really liked Sonic, or well, at least the critics. I thought people just sort of like mm. enjoyed it. I don't know.
0: I think people fell into the trap of it's an okay film, therefore it's a good adaptation because yeah. that's better than what we normally get. Right. We're looking for the highest, the highest golf again.
2: Okay. For a film in the MCU <laughs> Cardi. As the uh, winner of the last round there's so
0: many different ways you could go with it please
2: this. <laughs> give me your vote for an m c u
0: film um uh, da, da, da. i'm on a high gap like a massive gap um yeah. i'm i'm gonna go critics high uh, I got it uh, uh, there's, there's a different way. There's definitely some fan base ways you <laughs> can go with this. The people like to bomb it for different reasons. <laughs> Come on, party. Um, I need an answer. Okay. I'm going to go for Shong chi Surely that can't
1: be that much of a massive difference.
0: I just feel like that may have been review-bombed. Okay. For reasons. And... Jesse, wrong.
2: please give me... I think I know what you're going to say, so I'm already typing it in.
1: Oh, this is about Captain Marvel.
0: Oh, it wasn't what I thought Ooh. you were going to say. That was one of my options, but I don't actually think it reviewed that well. Um, I, but
1: I feel like, the, I feel like the difference the, is going to be the, extreme. The, yeah, it
0: could have been review-bombed to the point of one. Yeah. Right. So, so. <laughs> okay.
2: This is, this, is, this is a fun one. Um because for one of you, I only have to do the maths. Because the other one, I don't need to. Oh, no. Okay, fair enough. What does that mean? Shang Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings has a meta score of 71. Okay. But has a user score of 7.1.
1: Oh, brilliant. Oh, okay. Well,
2: if that was a re- I must get a point for that somewhere. Uh, you get a point for, for effort for absolutely mm. the wrong piece. Uh, Captain yeah. Marvel, a meta score of 64 for what I think is a perfectly fine mid-tier Marvel yeah. film. A user score, because people are fucking babies, is a 3.0. I thought it was going to be lower, to be fair. Been,
0: I should have gone with it. Jesse. Yeah.
2: You are now in the lead. Yeah. <laughs> and so, what I want is the lowest split, so the closest between the, the critics and the, uh, and the fans, for a film in the DCEU. <laughs> oh, God.
0: Has anyone ever agreed on anything in like the universe? <laughs> oh, I've got to make
2: no. them reasonably challenging.
0: I know. Who goes first? Jesse.
2: Jesse as the winner Below of the,
0: the DCEU
2: <laughs> like the- so that's
0: everything from Man of Steel onwards so this
2: right? yes this is Man of Steel onwards it has to be like essentially what we would largely consider the Snyderverse even yeah. though like there's some exceptions there yeah.
1: so are we, are we looking for the smallest gap
2: yeah yeah you want where the fans and the critics actually pretty <laughs> much agreed
1: I feel like it has to be Shazam
0: Ah, what I was going <laughs> to go for very good shout because it's like the, the
1: only good one
0: <laughs> yeah uh, I just feel like you can't do anything Snyder related <laughs> um, Does is The Suicide Squad count The James Gunn one uh, D-
1: Yes because D- it's got Harley Quinn oh, in right I think you're winning on that one
0: I just don't want to go anything that's officially in that uh, Yeah because mm-hmm. all the rest are shiteers
1: But that has to be a winning one
0: Yeah. Oh, these it's are, either that or Black crubs. Adams I think everyone might have agreed that wasn't good but
2: I think there are some Snyder No, boys yeah, surely that, there's people uh, who
1: love Black Adam.
0: All the pouties.
1: Was that the film that killed that universe? Like full stop.
2: No, I think I think no. larger. Like The Rock claims it saved it. Oh, <laughs> good, good on him. <laughs> this one, this one's a lovely close one. Oh no. <laughs> um, Jesse. Yeah. You said Shazam. Mm. Shazam has a meta score of 71 and a user score of 78. Okay. 7.8, which means you have a 7 as your score. That's, that's Cardi. Good. That's a good... Cardi's got this one. Got the, the Suicide one. Squad Suicide Squad has 72 as its meta score. Oh, no. And 6.9 for its user score, oh, which puts I you at 3.
0: It. I've done it.
2: Okay. Yes.
1: That, is, that is a bad film. So it's a draw. Yeah. So
2: it's, a draw. So it's a good job I did five of these. Yeah. I was going to say, if it just ends a draw. Good. good. Um, so, do it. the final one to clinch it. Mm. I want the highest split, the biggest gulf between fans and critics for a HBO show.
0: Ooh. Du, 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 du. Oh, I don't know. Really. Cardi. Do you know the funny thing? Yeah.
1: Cardi, you would have to know this shit, right? What do you mean I'd have no, to I know? No, because I feel like point? you have the knowledge of... Uh... All been, the all the well, HBO shows. I haven't seen
0: every HBO show. There's a lot of them. I, think it's, I would go Last of Us, but I don't think they allow user reviews yet. Because <laughs> it's not out.
2: I don't know, and I'm not going to tell you they, until I like, look what what you give.
0: Um, hmm. Something that would have been review-bombed. I'm going with Watchmen. I reckon there were some angry people probably with Watchmen, despite it being Interesting.
1: brilliant. I think you've got that.
2: Okay, right the score is in for Watchmen. jesse give me a hbo show
1: all i can think of is something i haven't watched but it's true blood which oh i've
0: absolutely i've absolutely mucked it up as well
1: really True blood
0: <laughs> i've got to my answer with watchman but surely mm-hmm. game of thrones just got bombed in the end so,
2: so the thing that you have to remember oh, with fuck. um with metacritic is that
1: can you do seasons
2: Uh, It it doesn't do it by seasons. No, it kind of like Metacritic is weird that they don't do it. You know, there's not individual entries. It's like True Blood is its own thing. Um, I will point out, I was quite a fan of True Blood back in the day. I thought I I liked the first couple of seasons a lot. I watched it all the way through. It does go fucking bananas. It's it's a vampire show, right? It is a vampire show. It's a very like erotic vampire I was going to say I
1: was, it was one of like the sexy vampire shows that I think people either well, hate yeah. or love season
2: season four I think it's, season, it's either season three or season four but I think it's season four it just has a bit where one of the main villain vampires gets staked and when the vampires get staked in true blood they just explode and then <laughs> his lover like scrapes him up and carries him around in a glass bowl for the rest of the season that's it's fucking so, hilarious so like wonderfully excessive Oh, man. Uh Right, okay.
0: Can we just do the maths? Watchmen.
1: Yeah, Watchmen's a win. Has to be.
0: I don't know if. I, don't, Cause I can't remember what people felt about I swear it.
1: that got review bombed.
0: Uh, I don't know.
1: I just went for True Blood because it seems like it has, in general, like shitty TV vibes. So, never
2: True Blood it. has a meta score of 69. It, it's considered good. It's in the green. I've lost. Uh, it has a user score of 7.7, 7, which Fuck. means, Jesse, your score is 8. Yeah. We're looking for the highest score, the highest number here. <gasps> Cardi, Watchmen. It's it's the Metacritic Must Watch Award with an Whoa. 85. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And a user score, because people are fucking babies, mm. of <laughs> 5.6, 5. 5. which means that you get a 29 score. That is score? ridiculous. Cardi.
0: Congratulations. Congratulations, victory at last.
1: That was a good battle.
0: I enjoyed it. It was a good battle. Mm. Um, we are, like you said, we 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 use a a a user ender search. There. It was very enjoyable. Thank you, Silent Node. Yeah. If you want to send more in IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com as well as any other feedback you may have for us, if you've seen Babylon next week, let me know what you think of Babylon because <laughs> uh, I've got no one to talk about Babylon with. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. is it out oh, this weekend no. you said next Friday I believe oh, is when
1: it's out I'm going to watch that uh, as soon as
0: yeah there we go um, but first let's read some feedback Jesse what have we got
1: I've got some feedback from William Matthews he says good evening gents in your recent episode you mentioned about long running game series which are mandatory to play in order in order mm-hmm. and I recently thought of uh, Nihon Falcons tra- Trails or Kaseki series is often compared to the MCU of video games, (laughs) whereas each arc of games is set in a different part of the world, but a continuation of existing characters and an overarching story. The first game released in 2003 and is still going 12 games long, and there's a heavy emphasis on world building, character development and politics. Most importantly, they are required to play in order, as are chronological and later games spoil earlier ones. Extremely high barrier to entry with the length of the series and would probably be interested to see a Western AAA developer attempt something similar. Mass Effect is probably the closest thing. Keep up the great work, and as always, respect the sea. i never heard I, of this I, series before.
0: I, I've, I know, like, Trails of Cold Steel, it's like Trails in the Skies. So I never knew it was one continuous story. I thought they were like a Final Fantasy you just dropped in and out, so I'm glad mm. I've never tried, because <laughs> sounds like be mad. Um, yeah, we were trying to think of any, like, really long run, like... The longest we got was like Mass Effect, like three, three yeah. games in a and row. Like most I Western
2: games tend to be done as trilogies, right?
1: I like, feel like yeah, it like has to come a- to like RPGs though, like probably quite a few similar to this game here, Japanese series is where well. They're just very yeah. continuous, long ongoing but i wouldn't be able but to even give you quite an a
2: lot of the you know the the uh, you know i can only speak from a mainstream jrpg kind of sentiment but like obviously final fantasy is it doesn't really have any um continuation yeah. aside from the odd moment and dragon quest i think is is similar okay. and then obviously the xenoblade got- series has like shared bits mm. but i think you can you can play xenoblade chronicles 2 without having played one like they do yeah. even though they are linked they do work
1: yeah
0: yeah like Personas absolutely different what about Ease are Ease all different I, have, I know no, I couldn't tell you game? I'm afraid
2: you're getting I out of my understanding
0: yeah. we're out of the wheelhouse but thank you William for that knowledge it's a good one if anyone ever asks that question we can go what about the Trails or Kazeki series <laughs> from, uh, from Japan there you go Matt what have we got
2: this one is from Matthew Jones not, not our not our Matthew, Matthew Jones. Jones no okay. yeah Um, Good morning, listening to your latest podcast and stopped to shoot over an email about what I played over Christmas. In October, I bought my 14-year-old Elden Ring for his birthday. He played for an an hour or so, but decided it wasn't for him. I'd heard good things, but after trying Bloodborne when it was on PS Plus years ago and deleting it after dying to the first enemy, I wasn't (laughs) sure if it would be for me either. Then it came on sale on the Xbox Store, so since I hadn't bought myself a game all year, because he sticks to Game Pass, uh, I decided to try it for myself. What a game. I'm all in now. I think about it all the time and even had a dream about it. (laughs) I decided to go for a Mage build, which I never do in games, and I'm having a wonderful time. Plus, after my son saw me playing, he's given it another go, and he now agrees that it's incredible. He has gone for a Strength and Dex build... Um, and we often call each other over to show how to show off the gear that we're using Aww. the ashes and summons that we found and the bosses that we're fighting i'm level 95 after 50 hours and have just reached the capital city he's 115 after 70 hours and is in crumbling faramazula um we love watching each other fight bosses and go through areas. It's really interesting watching how different builds find different areas easier or harder. And he has seen me take on some bosses without take some bosses down without taking a hit, which he struggled on for hours. And vice versa. I bought him Ragnarok for Christmas, and he hasn't even taken it out the box. <laughs> Elden Ring is now his favorite game ever. And as someone who has gamed for the last thirty years, I can't think of anything that has got me so invested either game of the year <laughs> game of all time or like from that Yeah,
0: okay. it's a good game isn't it, Couldn't have said that it sounds like myself. a lovely that sounds like a lovely time yeah, that's, that it's
1: quite adorable out. i love that that's great. i
2: uh, obviously don't have a son to share such wonderful <laughs> times with but um absolutely understand that kind of like uh, it's been a very long time since something has wormed into my head in the mm. same way that Elden ring did
0: mhm yeah i mean yeah it's an exceptional game isn't it i we could do some dlc why haven't we heard about that yet oh, you, you'd on?
2: think like come on, it's good we're almost 12 months in now
0: come on yeah. come on me <laughs> we um we me and matt i think we both tried the arena stuff they put out oh, yeah, like, a couple months go? ago <laughs> got battered within <for laughs> two minutes i uh <laughs> like,
2: like my entire character characters all, like i don't really do pvp like um when i'm playing it co-op like obviously you can't prevent people from invading and normally me and my partner are Good enough at kind of like fending off an invader, Mm. but actually fucking going into the gladiator arena to smack, like. Those people
0: have built characters around exactly. the concept of killing other players. I just <laughs> people are just throwing magical rocks at me, and I couldn't. I literally could not. I've got a dex, but I couldn't get close. I don't have any range. I, I had someone that had just got like two of the whips that are
2: like razor petals of metal all the way down, like a whip. And he just came at me and it was like swinging them around like some mental Indiana Jones kind of character.
1: I could have been my eastern, <laughs> just- to be fair. Loves oh, those I works.
2: know he lo- I know he does like the, the whips, but no, I, I stand absolutely fucking no. Not against when there's <laughs> three of them together. Nah, Jesus nah, Christ. Never
0: again. No intention of heading back into that arena. Um, I've got one more email here from Stu Davis. It says, hey guys, long time listener, first time writer and all that guff. I've just finished watching 1899 after loving dark, and even though it was a slow start, I thought it was great. It seemed to be in the top ten watched on Netflix for ages, but I see recently that it's been cancelled. Hopefully someone else picks it up as there's so much left to resolve. What were your thoughts on 1899 and are there any other series that got cancelled early that you'd like to see picked up by someone else? So I'm still halfway through 1899 and I've now lost all desire to finish it because Aww. I know yeah. that mystery's mm-hmm. not going to be resolved and the whole point of well the whole point of Dark was multi seasons of mystery. Well this building. was
2: supposed to be 3 seasons as well and yeah. very much ends on a everything you thought was real is something completely different than you could ever have yep. conceived it for. Mm. Um, and Would you still recommend I finish? Is it worth watching no. season one knowing? No, I don't think so. Also, That's it's tragic. kind of like, you know, um, I unfortunately didn't like 1899 as much as Stu did. I thought it was fine. But for something to be fine from the creators of what I think is in, like, the top five television shows ever made... Mm. Um, I um like I was reasonably disappointed by eighteen ninety nine. I don't think it's got anywhere near of the interesting character depth that Dark has, uh
0: and its central mystery is is cool, but yeah. not it is annoying though. If you're commission that commission commissioning, sorry, that show, knowing what they made before, yeah. mm-hmm. knowing they've probably got a solid three season plan, like all laid out, and, and you're also, not letting them make it. As <coughs> Stu says, seemed to be like it was in that top ten
2: watched on Netflix, yeah. particularly at least in the UK. For a long time. Um,
0: Yeah. I don't know what metrics they use sometimes Mm. to work out what's worth making, what isn't. Yeah.
2: The one thing, I obviously won't say what happens at the end for anybody that does want to go through it. Because it does have a very interesting... It was clearly going somewhere interesting. Hmm. But what I will say is, is there's a load of numbers that you discover at the end of the show. And I was like, I got my calculator out and I got really excited because like these numbers are going to add up to 1899 and it's going to be a big reveal that 1899 <laughs> isn't to do with the year that the show's set in. It's to yeah. do with this number and it didn't. It just, just <laughs> didn't. <laughs>
0: oh, Amazing. Man. You thought it was some sort of revelation. Um, but yeah, are there any like, I, think I saw this going around on Twitter actually this week, any shows that you, th- you know, got cancelled too early. My go to is always Freaks and Geeks. I, yeah, I You couldn't bring it back now just because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. all the teenagers and that are now like 40 years old, but yeah. um, that was very good. Another one for me, which I know people didn't love, was Vinyl. I don't know if anyone watched Vinyl. It was wow. basically um, the creators of Ball Rock Empire's mm-hmm. new show. It was set in the 70s, and it was about the music industry, basically. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. It definitely wasn't as good as Ball Rock Empire, and it definitely... You know, I can see why people didn't love it, but it, mm. it was something for me and it just it had one season and it was done, which I thought was a bit of a shame. But,
2: mm. my yeah. mine's the absolute fucking nerd go to Is it Firefly? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the thing <laughs> is, that is, sure is,
1: really like, that good.
2: I fucking love Firefly. And the thing is, is it's a case of like you know, TV has changed a lot since Firefly was on, so mm. ultimately mm. I think if Jesse, if you were to sit down and watch Firefly now, you might just think, like, what's what's the The noise about. But at the time, it was kind of like, I still do think that in many ways it's, you know, I know that we don't talk about him so much these days, but at the time, like, it was, I think, one of Joss Whedon's best pieces of work. Probably not as important as kind of the message that Buffy carried, but Mm. like a phenomenal kind of examination of what it's like to be kind of like on the losing side of a war. Even though that losing side has got weird, like slight Confederate vibes, even though they're not the Confederate. Mm-hmm. Um, but um I have ultimately kind of like made my piece and I think it almost works really well as just like a mini series that got like a film to cap it off. Um, but you know, go back, you know, fifteen years to when I was mm-hmm. a lot younger, I I would have been crying out for <laughs> a second season, third season of Firefly.
1: Yeah, the only the only time that's really happened to me, and this is probably like a pretty Basic boy answer is Sense Eight, <laughs> because um, I was I was really into that show, and then it ended up getting cancelled, and I was quite miffed about that. But then they,
0: didn't they
2: make like a second series to cap it off? They though?
1: didn't make a second series. They sort of made like a sort of TV special, which I think was like maybe right. two hours long, just to wrap it all up, like maybe mm-hmm. a year or an, and a bit after. It got cancelled, but that's really the only time. I'm not sure I've ever watched a show that has got cancelled and then felt absolutely devastated. the one,
0: obvious one for me recently is Mindhunter, but I, just still, I still hold out hope we will get more of that. I don't, I don't consider it cancelled. I didn't
1: realise it was actually fully cancelled.
0: I don't know if it ever has officially been. It's just they've it's, never made another one. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it's partly Finch's off making other mm-hmm. things, but mm. I think like, he, if he wanted to do it, he'd want to do it his way, and obviously Netflix, you know, that would cost up quite a bit of money and time, so... Uh, yeah, I'm hopeful we'll get more Mind Hunter one day. Hmm. Who knows? Let us know what shows you think got cancelled too soon. IGN on school feedback at ign. dot com. Uh, I suppose we've got some Last of Us music, haven't we? I That's think what we got to listen the to. The clear answer, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It just clicks. Right, um, well, this was lovely. I'm gonna. I'm going to go now. Cool. I suppose you probably will as well. Uh, it'd be weird if you carried on without me. But feel free, but I'm going to say goodbye. So, bye, bye, bye. bye.